What's up, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Queer Bait Podcast, where two queer chicks talk queer shit. I'm Ainsley, and with me, as always, my partner in crime, Maureen. Hello! It gets more and more enthusiastic every time we do it. You're welcome. It's quite exciting. So, we talked just briefly about the two... Was it brief? But yes. (laughs) The two new gay conversion camp movies that are coming out this year. Mm -hmm. And I figured I never like to say anything without getting edumacated on it. And really knowing what I'm talking about. Because I never want people to fault me for, like, being wrong. Because I can't take that type of criticism. Liar! You liar! (laughs) So I went back, did a little bit more reading, read a couple interviews of both writer-slash-directors. Because in both cases, they're both. um, And kind of just wanted to talk a little bit more deeply about it, what I learned. And obviously the movies aren't out yet. So Yeah, I think they did, like, the limited release on Miseducation. Yeah, in the UK. Oh, was it just UK? Yeah. I and wondering. I think limited here is very limited. So I mean like I haven't even been able to find a showing in LA. Yeah. So oh. it must it must be really limited film reels. Um so yeah, since they're both obviously not attainable to us, um Boy Erased is we're just now, speculating. Yeah, here. we're just speculating <laughs> off of trailers. Um so on last episode we had only seen the trailers. I don't even think you've seen both the trailers. No, I haven't even seen Boy Erased. I've just seen Miseducation of Cameron Post twenty times. Yeah. <laughs> um that's okay. So I, I've seen both the trailers. I read a few articles on each. So I think we can kind of talk about it a little bit more and just yeah. kind of stay open mm-hmm. to the ideas of them until we actually get to see them. Then we can really do a review. Cause and you dig know, into them. Yeah, yeah, you know how I am. I want to, like, dig in. So starting, I think I was I was a little mean about <laughs> Oscar baiting, which I do think they're doing, but I think Boy Erased more so, and I kind of want to give a little bit more credit back <laughs> to Miseducation and Cameron Post. I'm just, uh-huh. I'm just so, I don't know, I think I'm very quick to be like, queer stories are for straight media, you know, like, mm-hmm. does that make sense? Like, I, I, I feel like we can have like a very, very well done queer story story that you know is oscar worthy we saw that with moonlight oh yeah moonlight sorry sorry so we saw like it can be done we saw it with carol oh yes we've seen it like we can see a really great queer story that is well written well directed well acted deserving of something very true you know and then you know a queer story that's deserving of oscar nominations which i think is very rare because i think america isn't (laughs) isn't. what do you mean below her mouth wasn't oscar worthy (laughs) i'm confused yeah so i i think um what i found out most about miseducation of Cameron Post is I think I was a little mean about it just like oh it's another Oscar baiting yeah piece of but work. then I found out about its limited run and I feel like if you're trying to Oscar bait you're probably not doing a limited run you're not going to do a limited run you know and if it's very true it has been so hard to find you know the fact that like we can't even find it in LA Ugh, right kind of queer speaks, central yeah it kind of speaks to like oh it's really limited so maybe I want to take a step back and be like okay maybe it wasn't necessarily Oscar baiting and then I read this lovely article Mm -hmm. um by the writer and director 
whose name I am not going to say because I'm going to butcher it. I'm going to sound like such an American that I can't do um, a (laughs) non-American last name. But her first name is Desiree, I believe, or Desiree because it's two E's. So I'm not quite sure um, on the pronunciation. And I actually tried. I actually tried. (laughs) I watched an interview assuming that the interviewer would say her name before, and I just couldn't find anything on how to pronounce her name. Like, Google Translate isn't gonna do it justice. Like, I'm not gonna... Ugh, I feel that. You know, so I just don't want to mess up her name, because I think, after reading a few of her interviews, I think she's a wonderful, wonderful person. Mm. So what's great is, A, she's the writer and director, which I always love, first and foremost, and she is a queer woman as well. She's bisexual, which she has, she does not care, she mentions it, which is really, really Mm -hmm. nice, because I feel like sometimes when queer writers start to write queer content, they don't really want their sexuality kind of showcased, because then they feel like it takes away from their work, like, oh yeah, yeah. only queer people can write queer stuff Right, like they don't want it to be eclipsed by the fact that they're queer. Yeah, like they don't want the, they don't want the the scandal Mm -hmm. to be like oh she's bisexual you know you know so I kind of enjoy that you know she is very open about talking about her sexuality Mm -hmm. but she doesn't allow it to trump what she actually has to say in interviews yeah um and one of the interviews I was reading she basically took a knife and just stabbed it in Hollywood and was just like f (laughs) you Hollywood for being so terrible like one of the quotes is like oh Hollywood is spineless love it and what she's talking about which I did not even think because when I read a synopsis or watch a trailer and there's any form of queer content Uh I just assume that either one of two things gonna happen it's a straight movie with a queer token character yes or it's a queer movie that revolves around queerness being queer yeah Yeah. and that's all it is and her I'm gonna kind of fumble like paraphrase her quoting here was that's not what Miss Education Cameron Post is about. It's actually a coming-of-age story. And she kind of compared it to the likes of, like, John Hughes, you know, like, Pretty in Pink, mm-hmm. um, and Breakfast Club. <laughs> Gotta mention that one. <laughs> um, she kind of compared it to, like, that, but, like, more dramatic. That's really interesting. You know, she kind of geared her um, characters, I guess, on, like, this, you know, because it's, peri- it's made um, to be in the 90s. Uh-huh. So she's like, I very much kind of geared my character's to be like 90s children I'm so and, in love with that right like for one being 90s babies ourselves we're like yeah um so real quick is that a departure from the book I wonder I haven't read the book and I have I don't, the book I didn't find anything about the, okay so I don't know I'm kind of curious how far she departs from that like if the book is more of like a coming of age and she followed that or if the book was more gay conversion and she mm-hmm. was like no I want to make this like a young woman's sexual you know yeah so that was the big takeaway that I got from this interview and what kind of made me like change my mind about this mm-hmm. whole idea of the movie mm-hmm. and it she said something along the lines of and this is where like the Hollywood what is spineless stabbing comes in is she says like yes this has to do with gay conversion therapy this has to do with sexuality but first and foremost it's a coming of age story about a young girl and that's what she kind of like dug into hollywood Uh about about um female sexuality being taboo like we don't we don't talk about it we don't want movies about it very true you know and that's what really made me go oh maybe there is a bigger thought process in this movie than I gave it credit for and that's my own fault for just kind of like judging it off of a two-minute trailer and then also (laughs) um the actress 
Chloe Grace. Moretz. Moretz. Um, having her, like, kind of knowing that she's always kind of been, like, this tweeny kind of actress. And not in a bad way. Like, I know she was, she was hit girl. And she was <laughs> freaking badass and kick-ass. Um, but she's also a rockin' human. Yeah. Like, she's a big support. I don't think she has come out as LGBT in any form. Not but that I, know I know that of. she is a really big supporter of LGBT rights. Yeah, which, again, mm-hmm. is something that I didn't know. So I kind of just looked at her as, like, this... Oh, she's, like, a tween star. Like, if if she's on the cover of Tiger Beat, (laughs) then, you know, I don't really, like, give her credit. But, hot damn. She's changing my mind. The writer-director is changing my mind. So I'm kind of coming around more to this movie just off of the uh, interview that I read. I was just, like, very amazed. Like, oh, like, I didn't even think that, you know, to me, like, talking about tweens with lesbianism you know mm-hmm. like it's always just like oh like how will I tell my parents <laughs> you know it's always right, like right. like it is a really big coming out story as opposed to like sexual awakening I don't want to call it sexual awakening but, yeah you know that kind of story yeah so I'm kind of more interested to see how they kind of portray like female sexuality so what I got from the interview and kind of what you can see from the trailer when you have that mindset mm-hmm. is you know it's not necessarily that she's going to a gay conversion camp because she is gay. She's going to a gay conversion camp, um, obviously because she is gay first and foremost, but mostly because, you know, her parents catch her being sexual. Mm -hmm. And that really throws them for a loop. So I think this is kind of a new idea of, like, you know, it's not just queerness that is the issue with young females. It's also just the fact that we don't like females being looked at as sexual and you know the queer kind of trope of you know um queer women is like oh they're either one of two things either they're the predator or you know they're the baby being preyed on oh yeah and so now we kind of have this story of like a teen and it's going to kind of encompass this idea of like no like young girls can be sexual but it's like a very big no-no thing and they get slapped on the wrist more often than the male counterparts a very good point so and that's just what I got kind of from the interview so I mean it could definitely go that way or it could go the original way that I thought I'll take either way <laughs> either way yeah so I'm pretty excited kind of having a little bit more information on the director which is really awesome um again having just having like a diverse writer is mm-hmm. really nice like being part of the queer community being non-white <laughs> is just like you can't say that diversity in a writer's room doesn't make good content because yeah. every single thing that has a diverse writing room is usually amazing. Mm-hmm. Like, I can't name anything where it's like, oh, there's actually people of color and queer people <laughs> writing this, and it turns out terrible. You know, it's... Um, so I'm very, very excited about that. But then I did more digging on Boy Erased. And, and I, then you loved it! No. No. So <laughs> I have changed my mind about Miseducation and Cameron Post. I have only dug in deeper to <laughs> my ideas of Boy Erased. <sighs> yeah. So watching the trailer, I was just like, whenever I see a movie trailer um, that showcases the actors, mm-hmm. where it's all like, a ca- like where it flashes on the screen, Academy Award nominee, Academy Award winner, da-da-da. Whenever it flashes that, like, red <laughs> flags shoot up for me. I'm like, interesting, because... You know, this movie having so many Academy winners. Award you know, it has Academy Nicole nominees. Kidman. Mm-hmm. It has Russell Crowe. Mm-hmm. And then, oh man, who is... Lucas Hedges. There we go. Lucas Hedges. 
who I, in my research, found out is gaining a lot of traction behind. Is he, is he LGBT? Not that I know of. I couldn't find anything on his sexuality. Is he a supporter, at least? <laughs> I could not find anything about this kid other than, like, hey, he was in Lady Bird, which was this phenomenal, yeah, again, Academy Award-nominated movie. Okay, I won't knock him, but he's no Chloe Grace Moretz. Okay. <laughs> Just saying, it sounds like. No, but, like, he is a wonderful actor. He, he's, like, up and coming. I know he's gonna do an amazing job. Uh-huh. That's not my problem. My problem is having him who's, like, on his way up and up. He's already well-known. I, If I remember correctly, I believe he was nominated for Best Supporting Actor. Oh. In one of last year's movies. Do you remember what it, um, Three Billboards Outside? Ebbing's, Missouri. Ebbing, Missouri. I think he was nominated for that one. So having him finally not being a supporting actor, being the lead actor, is a huge statement of like, hey, we are looking for talented people. That's a good point. With a cast like that, Russell Crowe and Nicole Kidman yeah. beside them. So at first I was like, oh, I don't know who this kid is. Mm-hmm. That's cool. Like, that, like, you're giving a very important career-making role to a nobody. And then when I looked the kid up, I'm like, oh, he's not a nobody. He's actually an amazing actor already who's already getting accolades. Oh. So you have him, like we said, Nicole Kidman, who's phenomenal, and Russell Crowe, phenomenal as well. So I'm not knocking the actors because I love all of them. Oh, yeah. But when your trailer, 30 seconds of it, you know. <laughs> his name's flashing across his the His name's kind of being like, wow, look at this. And you know, it, it draws people to be like, oh, yeah, this is going to be a big movie. This is going to be a good movie just because of the actors. Yeah. Which kind of bugs me because I'm like, no. <laughs> That's not what it necessarily means, you know, potentially. Uh-huh. You know, because I think what makes and breaks movies, first and foremost, is the acting. You can have the best script ever, and then if it's not well acted. Fair point. Icky. You know, it gets thrown (laughs) out. (laughs) So I was kind of like, okay, well, he's actually more famous than I thought. The other main people are more famous than I am. And then I was like, okay, I'm going to read, just like I did with the Cameron Post movie, I'm Uh going to read an interview um, of the writer-director, who is Joel Edgerton. If I thought I'm, it was Edgerton. It could, it could be. I could be on drugs. I very poor English. I'm California education system, <laughs> so I can barely order at McDonald's. <laughs> <laughs> so when it comes to names, I'm just going to butcher them and apologize profusely for it. First and foremost, he's Australian, which... Love it. Love it, right? Like, <laughs> perfect. I don't know him. He's pretty well known. I found out. I know I've heard his name before, and that says a lot for me. The only thing that I know him from is, um, I looked up, he's in Star Wars. I can't oh. tell you who he is in Star Wars, but he's in but the- But that alone is a feat. He's in the prequels, apparently. Um, and the only thing that I've actually seen him in and remembered <laughs> is Warrior, which is an MMA movie with Tom Hardy, and that's the only oh. reason why I watched it. <laughs> because Tom Hardy. Because Tom Hardy. Who is my love. So that's the only movie that I can remember. He was great in it. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a very beautiful story. So, like, I can't knock him for that. And um, he, I was looking at his, like, IMDb. And, you know, he's on television here and there. Like, he does good stuff. Okay. Um, however, when I typed up his name, 
the difference between him and the other writer slash director was when I typed in her name, mm-hmm. all that popped up were these beautiful interviews and articles that she's quoted in about her movie and how it pushes boundaries and how Hollywood sucks. Love it. Perfect. When I type in this director, Mr. Australia, the only thing that pops up is, oh my god, is he dating Jennifer Lawrence? <laughs> and it just... That's how you know you're making a difference in the world. Right yeah, there. and it really, like, it bummed me out because, like, I was wrong, I believe, about Miseducation Cameron Post, and I was like, all right, don't be a little jerk. Like, do your <laughs> research on boy race and then have something to say about it. Uh-huh. And when I look up the writer-director, like, all I wanted was an interview where he's like, this is gonna be so important because dot, dot, dot. Mm-hmm. And all I could find, his top stories are all, is he dating Jennifer Lawrence? And I was so Super. disappointed. I was very disappointed because I was like, okay. Like I said, I, I believe queer people and just diverse writing rooms are gonna make better material in general. Mm-hmm. But I was willing to give this white, cisgender <laughs> man, you know. Benefit of the doubt. Benefit of the doubt. And, you know. But then not to be able to really find anything yeah. LGBTQ plus positive. Right, I would expect to hear something about him, like, speaking out in favor yeah. of the community. But So I really did something. And I was like, I'm going to find something that makes me look at this movie positive. And the only other articles I could find, other than who is he dating, <laughs> was um, a Boy Erased, already an Oscar buzz-worthy movie. And I was like, I freaking knew it! <laughs> I knew it from the get-go. Um, one of the main things that I found is the time that it's coming out, which is in November, which is peak Academy Award grab season. And it's the the end of the year where you know um things are really coming down we got to like have our official nominations and stuff done Uh so having it come out in november is really smart if you want to oscar grab it's fresh in their minds it's fresh in their minds you know and i'll never knock any movie that does that because i'm like that's just smart business (laughs) like (laughs) if you want an oscar you release it when you best like just like a summer blockbuster yeah you know like you don't want to release um, Avengers and Jurassic World in the same weekend because they're just gonna fight each other for money. Yeah. Release it a couple weeks apart and boom, you both make billions. Um, so I'm never gonna knock when you release your movie, but when you put all your actors as the Academy Award nominee slash winners and then you put it in Academy Award season. Oh man, he's really hedging his bets. You know, and then now the movie isn't even released yet for another couple months. No screenings, nobody's seen it. Oh wow. Already has Oscar buzz just based off the concept. You can't tell me that's not Oscar baiting. That is very true. That is Oscar baiting to a T. Hot damn. You know, and I still think it's a very important story to tell. Mm -hmm. And I looked up the book which I was able to find a little bit more information on. Mm-hmm. Um, and the guy who wrote it, Garrett Connolly, uh-huh. I believe, if I'm getting his name right, has a TED Talk. Oh, no way. Yes, where he talks about his experiences. 
So I was like, that's my next job. I'm going to watch that TED Talk. Haven't gotten to it yet, but that's next on the list because I think it's an important story. I think talking about gay conversion is important because I think to a lot of people, it's something that isn't prevalent. Oh, yeah. Anymore. Like, people don't think gay conversion exists because we have kind of stomped out some of it. Well, and we're really fortunate to live in Southern California where we're pretty relaxed over here. I don't know yeah. anybody who's been we're to not a gay in, conversion camp. We're not, like, and not hating on religious beliefs, but we're not in the Bible Belt that is kind of notorious for its yeah. gay conversion camps. Um, so I think it's a very, very important story to tell because I don't think a lot of, you know... Um, everyday people, non-queer people, think about it. And I think a large part of the queer community doesn't even think. Yeah, I don't. About it. And, like, Mike Pence, (laughs) our VP, like, has mentioned in multiple interviews during the election and kind of came up again that he's a believer in gay conversion Mm -hmm. camps. So I think now more than ever, it's a very important story to tell. I don't like it being religious-based. That sounds so bad, but I am a strong believer that you can be queer and religious, especially because the the movie is based in modern times. At least that's what I believe from the trailer. It's based in modern times. So 2018, I, I don't like the idea that the only people that will send you to gay conversion camps are super religious families and that's how they kind of showcase it's in the south it's in the bible belt russell crowe is a pastor of some kind that's true because you can be non-religious and still intolerant yeah so i like the idea of it taking place at a church because i do believe that you know gay conversion camps go along with religion a lot of the times not all the time but i do think that they do kind of pack in that um God says this, Mm -hmm. and this is why we're making you do these things a lot of the time, but I don't like the idea of it. Like, Russell Crowe's a pastor, and we have Nicole Kidman, a pastor's wife, and they believe so much in God Mm -hmm. that that's why they're doing it. I would have loved it so much more if they were just, like, everyday religious people. True, not the pastor and the pastor's wife. Yeah, it kind of adds to this. You know, and I know what's going to happen. I I believe I know what's going to happen is that they're going to come around to him being gay. He's going to go off to this camp. He's going to be abused and his family's going to come save him and they're eventually going to change their minds. Have you read the story or is this just No, no, this is just all my speculation. (laughs) For sure, all my speculation. Just because in the trailer you see one scene of like Nicole Kidman kind of going to the office. Mm Mm-hmm. I forget what she says, but she's like, you can't do this, basically. I'm like, oh, okay. (laughs) So, to me, that takes away from the queer storyline of gay conversion camps are terrible and puts it more like, oh, these parents are perfect. Like, they messed up, but they figured it out. And I think that Mm -hmm. takes away. That's a really interesting point. It does become less and less about, like, the gay experience of a conversion mm-hmm. camp and more about, like, oh, what are my parents experiencing? Why do they justify this? Like, how do they turn their lives around? Yeah. Meanwhile, I got tortured, you know? Yeah. So that is a really interesting point. And again, this is all just what I'm getting from the trailer because I couldn't really find a lot of stuff um, <laughs> on it. But I do suggest the book because one of the things that I did find... Um, about the movie is that they are um, 
they say source material for the book, uh-huh. but they do say that they they movie it up, they change it pretty significantly. So I do suggest either, you know, reading the book or maybe watching his TED Talk, you know, watching the author's mm-hmm. TED Talk to really see what his experience was because it's a true story. Mm-hmm. It's really what happened to this man. Yeah. So I'd much rather watch his TED Talk than this souped up version. Souped up yeah. Oscar baiting kind of movie. Yeah. Very you fair know. point. Again, I'm going to go see it. Oh. Heck yeah, we're going to go see it. <laughs> I'm going to go see both of these. I'm going to see Miseducation of Cameron Post Somehow. five times at least. I don't know how. You're right. I'm not <laughs> sure how. But I will. Yeah. So definitely going to see both. Again, maybe review it more deeply when we actually get to see it. Because again, it's still a lot of speculation. Yeah, very true. We'll kind of see. But what I wanted to do today is talk about, you know, so mm-hmm. we're kind of like, oh, maybe this will be good. Maybe this will be bad. Mm-hmm. Give me what you think is a good queer movie. What queer movie did you love? So dilemmas. Good movie versus what, what did I love? That's and I want to make no promises that movies that I love are good because I know for a fact, like, I know what I love. I loved Lights Out. That wasn't a You know, it might have been a good movie. I thought it was a great movie, but I'm going to say most of America did not enjoy that movie if they watched it. So I think my queer movie... Okay, let's let's talk personally what you liked. Yes. And then we can get into if it's, like, good or not. Well, you can tell me if it's good or not. (laughs) Okay. You're the movie critic. So I think what I really liked, and it's been a few years since I've seen it, so I probably won't describe it and do it justice, but it was just the movie, it was called Pride. It was, like, back in 2014, way back then. Um, And it was, like, this group, it was, what is it, LGSM, like, Lesbians and Gay Support Minors. This is, like, staged back in 1984 and 85 when the oh. British mining strike was going on. Okay. Have you ever seen this movie? No, I haven't okay, seen it. Okay, I didn't it, ask but... you about this. So it's like this group, LGSM, you know, of gays and lesbians, goes, finds a mining are town. They, are they Americans or are they? I'm sorry, they're British. Oh, okay. okay yeah, okay. so. They're British helping They're British, British helping British. Like the movie starts out, they're in a gay pride parade, you know, and it focuses on like a character or two, I believe. But so, you know, it starts out with a gay pride parade and then these like LGBT people are just discussing like, oh, the police have really laid off of us lately. Who are they actually attacking these days? <laughs> and it's the miners because the miners are going on strike. And so there's like all these clashes between police and miners, you know, and this group is like, what can we do to help these people? You know, and so they start raising money for miners and they choose a specific mining town. Oh, what was it? Hold on. It was. Thank God for Google. Alwyn? I want to say it was Alwyn. I don't think my computer's going to load it right now if I even try. Yeah, it's frozen. So I'm pretty sure it was like Alwyn or something like that. And they go to this town and it's just like all about the dynamics in this town, you know, where these people are pretty hesitant to like accept the help of LGBT folks. I mean, really, it's not even LGBT at this point. I'm pretty sure it solely consists of gays and lesbians you know which uh, I wish there was more but um but yeah so it's just like the dynamics of the town the antagonist's name is Maureen which hurts me so deeply let me tell you it was so sad for me because she's just this woman who doesn't want the help because they're furthering their own agenda and so yeah the whole story is just about this town kind of finding acceptance for these kids who've come to just really help them out with no personal agenda 
And it's just really beautiful story. And then it ends mm-hmm. at a gay pride parade. And it was just, I don't know, I loved it. That sounds really, really cool. I haven't seen it, so definitely going on my list. It was a really good one. It was more, you know, and it also... It's different. It is different. And it also... It, like, focused on HIV back then, you know, when it was this new thing over there, you know, and not many people were diagnosed, so it's, like, one of the characters, I think he finds out that he has HIV, or uh, I know that his ex-lover, you know, found out that he had HIV, and I want to say that his ex-lover died from it, and so he's going through this, like, oh, do I have HIV, like, what's my life gonna be like, and it's very much a side story, but it was just super important, Mm -hmm. you know, it was a really beautiful story. Well, I kind of like this concept of people not accepting the queer community yeah. um, in kind of like this larger sense instead of just like the home sense. You know, a lot of queer movies are oh, like yeah. a kid comes out to their parents and their parents aren't ex- accepting, mm-hmm. but it's kind of nice to have like a bigger scale of unacceptance, which like in general, that's a bad thing, obviously. Right. But for movies, say kind of like disobedience, you know, how the whole community, mm-hmm. you know, kind of... Well, I don't even know if it was a community, if the community a knew. A religion. But yeah, like a religious community. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's a good point. But so it was really interesting. And I have like, we live in California again, so we're super lucky. You know, we don't get a lot of discrimination. I mean. Yeah. And also I'm pretty passing in either way because I'm pretty feminine. But the one thing that scares me in this life, I don't want to say scares me. They make me nervous are like people in the 55 and over age bracket. It's hard to know. And it's just like you don't know whether you're going to get you know, somebody 65 and she's going to be like, oh, you have a wife? That's amazing. Like, you have a girlfriend. You have a boyfriend. Like, oh, that's amazing. Or if you're going to get somebody who's like, that's disgusting. Like, what is wrong? You know, and it's just, and I'm sure, you know, intolerance knows no age range. But I feel like the older you get, the more outspoken you are. (laughs) Yeah, I think that's the difference. I think you kind of always have these ideals, but putting them out for the world to hear, I think definitely kind of goes um, either like a generational thing, because I think uh-huh. past generations are definitely more outspoken than our generations in general. Like how many Absolutely. times a day do we apologize to people just for like, oh, I'm sorry, I'm going too slow. Or like, oh, like right. we briefly touched hands, like <laughs> reaching for bananas. Like, um, so I, I, I think generationally, obviously they're a little bit more outspoken and I think age-wise as well like I think when I get older I think I'm gonna care less which is something that I saw like in my mom oh like my mom was very like you know she was never meek but like she kind of like kept to herself and Mm -hmm. you know and now woman speaks her mind she speaks her mind if you give her a penny wrong (laughs) she she wants a manager where's my penny can you count hello (laughs) no she's not she's not abusive (laughs) she's not abusive to cashiers but she's definitely um you know you know and 10 years ago she would have been like oh it's a penny no big deal but now it's more like oh and it's not even about getting the penny it's about (laughs) saying that she didn't get the penny so i think that oh my gosh absolutely that's definitely true that age yeah and that's like the mining town in the movie you know it's just and it's like multi-generational you know but Mm -hmm. it's a lot of what you see is like these 55 and overs and like how they approach the situation differently you've like like one of this this older elderly woman she loves the lesbians she's like where are my lesbians come to me you know and then the other woman maureen 
the character Maureen, you know, is just like, oh, this is unnatural, you know? So it's just, I don't know. I think I really liked seeing the movie where, like, a lot of the elderly were portrayed really positively and acceptingly. Mm-hmm. So how how old is the movie? For, like 2014? So, 2014. Oh, okay, yeah, so not so, too old. I know, only a few That's years great. old. And I honestly haven't really heard much about it. I kind of forgot mm-hmm. about it a lot. I, I don't know it at all, so. It was, I don't know how I saw it, probably just on Netflix. You know I love to binge, and it was probably <laughs> just hanging out on there. Yeah. It's like, thank you for watching the L word. Here's <laughs> pride. <laughs> right? Okay, cool, cool. I don't know if I should start with, like, my favorite or what I deem. To no, start with your favorite. My favorite? Okay, my favorite queer movie, which a lot of people don't ever consider it a queer movie. They just, like, oh, it's cult classic. It's amazing. Blue is the warmest color. No. <laughs> stop. <laughs> Do you know what it is? I have an idea. Rocky Horror Picture Show. I knew show. it was Rocky Horror because <laughs> that will be your top pick for anything. It will be my top pick movie. Like, I will somehow fit it into a every conversation it's action it's horror (laughs) it's mystery (laughs) there was a a car accident in it you don't consider that (laughs) actioning there's motorcycles (laughs) um but i think it it, it's from 1975 Mm -hmm. so i think it did something that wasn't you know acceptable Mm-hmm. at the time and that's why it bombed in the box office and that's why it's a cult classic because everybody you know didn't go and see it but they love it um so much sexuality in that movie mm-hmm. and i like its portrayal because like they're outlandish like they are very <laughs> over the top characters oh yeah don't get me wrong like i can recognize that they are these very over the top but what i found just like really cool is that it kind of showcases a lot of different like sexualities identities uh-huh you know it didn't i mean frankenfurter himself dresses in drag calls himself a sweet transvestite, transvestite. you know what I, now we say transvestite which is a no-no word yeah, <laughs> but absolutely. back then like just having a song true i know and now i'm like ooh, i don't like that word like that's ooh, not a good movie that's a bad you know yeah but that's like, a bad but word. back then you're right like you that know, was just the word that was used and when it was used yeah so i think like yes maybe if we do a remake of it maybe change that word sweet <laughs> transgender <laughs> individual yeah but that's the thing is like that's what i love about the movie because every time i watch it i think of something different because i'm like but is frankenfurter really transgender True. I yeah. We don't know. I mean, he keeps his armpit hair, so he doesn't follow. You know, like yes, he wears norms. Yeah, he doesn't follow feminine norms. So is he tra- like he wears makeup? So is he just like gender queer? So every time <laughs> I watch it, I'm like, ooh, like what's you going on? You could do a on? dissertation on this. <laughs> like you could really just like write eighty pages on like what the heck is Frankenfurter? <laughs> you know, there's a whole song about it, but. Yeah, it, terms have changed over the <laughs> yeah, past for sure 40 something years um so for Frankfurt alone and what I liked and which my mother made me turn off the movie the first time I saw it <laughs> is there's like a sequence of like sex scene sex scene sex scene sex oh scene. yeah but I love it because a it's not how do I say I don't want to use the word grotesque but it's not like you don't see boobs flying you don't you don't see a lot of skin it's all like shadowed Uh you know like frankenfurter um sleeps with susan sarandon you know he sleeps with Dan, and then he goes um and i'm using he because 
they they call him he in the movie. I don't know what now we would actually call Frank. We'll address this in the dissertation. <laughs> in the, my 80-page dissertation. Um, you know, then Frankenfurter goes and he s- sleeps with Brad. And it's kind of just like this shadowy thing, um, which I really liked. I was like, mm-hmm. oh, like people look at that and they're like, oh, my God. that's so sexual that's so many and then like the next scene it's like janet having sex with rocky yeah you know and it's like during that you see janet you know picturing rocky and frankenfurter and brad and columbia like picturing all of them oh yeah like above her in the bed or something like that yeah so you kind of get this idea that like she didn't sleep with all of them but she has the ideas of sleeping with everyone because her sexuality has been opened. Oh my god! Because gosh. she was a virgin. I've never looked at it like this. Yeah, so that's what I love about the movies, that I can watch it and kind of keep getting new things every time I watch it. Like, and every character in there, some shape or form, is odd, <laughs> <laughs> is the other. And that's what I love in queer movies, is when it really showcases the other, uh-huh. you know, instead of, like, the normal, but makes you feel like it's, it's the normal. Because just, oh, like, no. something as easy as, like, Meatloaf's character, Eddie... <laughs> the first 30 times I watched it, and I don't know if it's just because I was really young watching it and I didn't get it, was in a relationship with Frankenfurter. Was he? I only ever thought he was with Columbia. Yeah. I don't remember. <laughs> but you know what? Honestly, now that you say it, I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, that could definitely happen But in now this movie. it's nuanced that, you know, Eddie and Frankenfurter were first, and that's how he met Columbia. So it's kind of like, oh, this super masculine... Oh my gosh, these are a lot of, like, little subtle references. Yeah, and I could completely be wrong about the the Eddie Frankenfurter, but I mean, <laughs> I, I what I got from it is that, you know, he was in love with Eddie and then used Eddie to build Rocky, his dream man, because, mm-hmm. you know, he takes half yeah. his brain out. Um, so just, like, everybody, and, like, Frankenfurter um, has sex with Rocky, and then Rocky has sex with Janet, you know, and then Janet has sex with frankenfurter and this person but imagines women and then it's kind of nuanced that like columbia and magenta have a little thing because you know they're in the same yeah. room they're kind of like flirting with each other with like the Love little it. hair dryer so it's kind of like so many different sexualities and like gender identity is kind of addressed and like i like the spectrum of like rocky this masculine archetype you know like he is like Mm-hmm. the the Greek god yes like he is everything masculine and his boy shorts. yeah um and then having Frankenfurter also be the opposite of that like the mm-hmm. the most feminine man you could have had at, at that time yeah I absolutely. would say you know with the makeup and the little dress <laughs> um, and the corset so I don't know I just I I feel like there's more to Rocky Horror than a lot of people see I think people are like oh I freaking love the Time Warp. Because it's amazing. Gosh, but that is, like, such an amazing point that I bet a lot of people don't consider are all the sexual undertones, well, the undertones of sexuality. Yeah, because it is very sexually fueled It's overtly sexual. You know, I didn't even get to, I was only allowed to watch the first hour of it (laughs) for the first 20 times I watched it because right when, um... Right when Frankenfurter walks into Janet's room, my mom's like, nope, <laughs> never watching that again. You know, because it is kind of like, sleeps with Rocky, then sleeps with Janet, sleeps with Brad, and then Janet sleeps with Rocky, and it's just like this, like, <laughs> like 20 minutes. So. And that's how the whole group got chlamydia. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so I really, Rocky Horror, by far, my favorite, because I think it has everything. I think it has a deeper meaning, 
than what we usually really give it. Um, but it's also fun. It has so many great actors. It has some of the best music. Mm-hmm. It works with every generation. Not the transvestite word. Yes. I feel true. like that that could maybe be That changed. has not transcended the decades. But it has been 40 plus years. And it has not aged out. You know, yeah. like, sometimes you go back and you watch a movie, you're like, ooh, that needs to be redone. Mm-hmm. But when I go back and watch Rocky Horror, I'm like, this never needs to be redone. Except for that word. But <laughs> it never needs to be redone because it's just, oh, it's just a great movie. Very confusing, but. It's also wonky enough that that wonkiness will prevail throughout the generations it's just like it's one of the few musicals like a lot of the times in musicals i'm like stop with the music rocky horror i'm like more music (laughs) (laughs) so i just absolutely hands down rocky horror my favorite and people don't people are just like oh yeah it's a great cult classic i'm like no great queer no you don't understand you don't understand the nuances in it like (laughs) i do you know so i definitely i gotta watch it again and again because again you find I find something different in it every time and if a movie you know I've watched it probably 200 times at this point and to still love it and to still find different stuff for different ways to look at it uh-huh. makes it a phenomenal movie and again being a movie that um a lot of different audiences can watch mm-hmm. and again it really speaks to the other like it's not a normal movie <laughs> by any means and that's what makes it so great is that it showcases otherness and that normalcy isn't that much fun absolutely come to this side this side's more fun i love it yeah okay so what would you say is the the best queer movie you've seen Ooh, i don't know what have i seen oh man i don't know i can't i can't give you one that has like a good impact you liked carol i liked carol it felt i don't know it just felt predatory to me Really? I don't know. And I, honestly, I'm not, I don't have a memory for it. So no. I don't think I can. <laughs> I like Carol. Did you ever see, and this is what I think is the best queer movie, not just my favorite. Okay. It's on my top 10 list of favorite okay. movies of all time. All right. Tangerine. No, I've never seen Tangerine. Never I have seen no Tangerine. idea. No. And I know I've heard the name. I probably... It is so good. And I think what it's best known for is that it's shot on an iPhone. Random. Like, it's this super indie movie shot on an iPhone. And it is one of the most beautifully written movies. What's the story? Let me get you the synopsis. Because we're going to do this movie some d- justice. Because I think everybody needs to watch it. After hearing that her boyfriend slash pimp cheated on her while she was in jail, a hooker and her best friend set out to find him and teach him and his new lover a lesson. What it's missing is the two leads, Uh the hooker and her best friend, Mm -hmm. are two beautiful transgendered women of color no shit yeah freaking applaud tangerine people. wowzers is it a full-length movie it is whoa yeah and it's 
It's so good. Does an iPhone even have enough memory for that? (laughs) (laughs) I don't know, but, you know, I think everybody's like, oh, it's so indie. But I don't think that's the reason that it's on an iPhone. Uh I think it's to take away from the production value of this movie so that its sole focus is telling this story. Oh. You know, I think it's such a wonderful, like, it's a tragic story, obviously. Like, this woman is... Um, you know, a prostitute. Mm-hmm. And she has a pimp. That hits her. Mm-hmm. You know, she goes to jail for prostitution. He's a scumbag, obviously. Um, just being a pimp in general. Yeah, I think well, go makes, figure. You know, but being a cheating, abusive boyfriend on top of being a pimp is even worse. But what's so great about it, obviously, is just having, like, women of color being showcased. Having two actual transgendered women play transgendered women in a movie. Yeah. Phenomenal. I know. And then, see, oh, so they do play trans women. Yeah. Oh. They are trans women, and I I don't think it's really mentioned, but it's kind of implied, I guess, that okay. they are transgendered women. Mm-hmm. I, I don't want to sound, like, crude, but, like, it's pretty obvious, so I don't know. You know, they're beautiful, beautiful women, but they never once say, like, oh, I'm a transgendered woman, blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. They don't say that, but it's it's assumed, mm-hmm. I would say, that they're trans prostitutes, which is my next point to why the movie is so great, because, you know, it's already hit a great queer story, showcasing transgendered actors, showcasing mm-hmm. women of color, so it already does all those things, but then it also tells the story of, like, prostitution, which, you know, has been done 101 times before, uh-huh. But this one a little bit different because I don't think we really think transgenders and queer people are the number one source of prostitution in America. Oh. They're like the... Yeah, I actually wouldn't have thought about that. Yeah, which is unfortunate because, you know, they get kind of shoved into it. And I Especially feel like queer always, youth. Well, they're always portrayed. Like, prostitutes are just, you know, like, oh, you're a cheap hooker or, like, you're a tranny, you know, just, like, something yeah. really heinous. Yeah. And I don't feel like they're ever portrayed as, like, people. Even on a show like Law & Order, it's like, oh, look at this poor prostitute, you know, but, like, yeah. never as an actual person with a backstory. It's always just, like, oh, I got a hooker to, you know, like, I gotta be a prostitute yeah. to make money, you know, but it's never, like, here's my actual story, even if it is gritty. Yeah. You know, I feel like it's always portrayed as this really ugly, you know, kind of thing. Yeah, so that's what's so great about it is that, you know, it, it showcases multiple communica- communities that aren't showcased. Mm-hmm. And then it tells a very true and real story. And I love the word you use, grittiness of it. Yeah, Because gritty. it does not try to sugarcoat this story Mm -hmm. it doesn't try to make it you know and it's not like what I liked about it is that it's not like a like a oh everything's better at the end yeah you know which a lot of times like like law and order is a good example of this it's like when you do have like a prostitute that you know actually gets to like go against their pimp yeah. In court or something. It's always, like, this happy ending. They get off the street. And yeah. And they live a life and they have a kid. And you yeah. Know, right? And that's just not how this movie is. This movie is just, like, this is the real life of what happens to a lot of people in the queer community because they get pushed into this. And this is what happens. And this just, oh, it breaks your heart. 
but you're like, shit, I needed that. I needed to know that this is something that exists. That's powerful. You know. I'm into it. So I think Tangerine, Numero Uno, because it, it, it does more than most queer movies. You know, mm-hmm. most queer movies, you know, do a great job showcasing queer storylines. But this one showcases so much more than just, like, a queer storyline, mm-hmm. which is just awesome. And it's so well acted. Those women are absolutely amazing. Love it. For sure. Yeah. So, Tangerine for sure. All right. Tangerine's on the watch list. Okay, so I gotta watch Pride. Yes. And then you gotta go and watch Tangerine. Yes. Okay, and then we'll come back and we'll compare notes about whose was better. (gasps) I'm just kidding. Uh, (laughs) They're both wonderful queer content, which is all we care about, really. (laughs) Right. (laughs) True. Well, I think that does it for today's episode. I think we kind of rambled on enough. I mean, we can definitely do it again where we talk about more queer movies because there are some great ones out there that we didn't get to talk about yet mm-hmm. so we can definitely do this again but until then you can find us on podbean uh-huh itunes yep spotify heck yeah eventually i don't know twitter one day one day twitter <laughs> leave us a review though leave us a review on itunes on can i don't even know if you can leave reviews on spotify but if you can leave us one yeah please leave us a review let us know what you like what you hate Mm-hmm. tell me to shut up more tell me to slow down more whatever you guys can tell us will <laughs> definitely help so follow us or subscribe whatever write reviews but until then stay queer <laughs>